Hi, uh, I'm not usually up here. My name's Joe. I'm the well youth lead here at Wellspring Church, and uh, woo. Uh, once in a while, they give me a microphone and tell me to tell you things. So here I am. Welcome. Um, but I want to start off with this question: uh, Have you ever been mistaken for somebody else? Sorry, feedback. Have you ever been mistaken for another person? It, it hasn't really happened um, to me. And I, you hear all the time of, of you know, I, I thought I saw uh, Tom Cruise. No, I was just, you know, your cashier. Don't worry about it. Anyway, um, have you ever wanted to, like, congratulate a woman on her pregnancy, but y you weren't quite sure if she was pregnant? Don't do that. No, 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 no. Pro tip, never do that. My dad did that once. It was, ugh. Um, but th this happens all the time. The, uh, things are mistaken for other things. People are mistaken for other people. And uh, it hasn't happened to me, but I do want to show you a video of, of someone it has uh, happened to real quick. A, a few years ago, there was, um, I was in a Land Rover parts department near Peterborough, the kind of place you find me on most yes. Saturdays. <laughs> And we're waiting for car parts. And car parts, guys hang around a lot because, you know, to get a part, the guy has to go half a mile to the back of the warehouse and then come back again. And he brings it back. And he says, this is, this is a left-hand one. Oh, you wanted a right-hand one. Sorry, I'll go. <laughs> and it, it takes forever. Anyway, I was standing around with, with a group of guys doing that. <laughs> um, and he came up to me after a while and he said, excuse me, has anyone ever told you <laughs> that you're the absolute spitting image of that Mr. Bean? <laughs> and I said, well, actually, I am the actor who plays Mr. Bean. And he said, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you wish you were. This bizarre conversation in which the more I tried to claim that I was the person whom he thought I merely resembled, the less he believed me. So he, but what was funny was how, was how close he thought I was to, to, you know, he said, the resemblance is uncanny. Have you ever thought of doing any, um, you know, look-alike work? Like, uh, you know, stagnates and head nights, you know, you go along as Mr. Bean. And I said, no, I haven't. He said, because you can make an absolute fortune. <laughs> and, and, and I could tell after a while, I had to bring the conversation to a close because clearly not only was he not believing me, but he was getting quite annoyed you know, that I was pursuing this line of, I am Rowan Atkinson, when, and clearly he thought I was this total just because I happen to look a bit like yeah. a Mr. Bean, goes around the country actually claiming to be Mr. Bean. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson has an incredible duck impression. And I would like to welcome you to my 10-point sermon on why Jesus is like Mr. Bean. No, we're not going there. Um, we're actually looking at the book of Luke today. We're continuing our series on resurrections as we look at them through the Bible. And we're starting in Luke chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 11. It says this. Uh, soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. 
this section of scripture starts off with soon after. Jesus had just come from the city of Capernaum, where he had helped a, um, a centurion with his servant who was, who was deathly ill. And he heals the centurion's uh, servant. And um, so that's where he had just come from. And Capernaum, the city of Capernaum, is about a full day's journey from this village called Nain. And when he approached this village, Jesus and his followers come upon this funeral procession. And we have an image of, of someone being full of, of, of despair, meeting up with Jesus and his crowd who is full of life and, and, and full of hope. And this poor widow, she's, she's already buried her husband. Her husband's been dead. Her son, her only son, just died. She has no family. And in the culture of the time, that means you were probably going to live a destitute life. You could be exposed to the elements. You could be exposed to uh, assault or, or, or just ruin. And sure, you'd have maybe friends help you. Maybe there was extended family. But on the whole, there would be no one to take care of her as she got old. So this woman has to now bury her only son. So she takes her son, and, and, and in that day, it was very unclean to leave a body of someone who had been dead um, in the village, in, in where, you were, where you were at. So usually within a day's time, you would take that body, you would prepare it for burial, and you would get it out of town. Because if you touched a dead body, you were considered unclean, and it was, it was bad stuff. So this is likely happening within 24 hours of when this boy died. Now, if you remember, I told you before that, that Jesus was a days away from Nain, if not more. Jesus was already on his way to that place by the time this woman had found out that her son had died. It's so cool seeing how God can provide in situations like that. And we're gonna, I'm going to tell you about a, a story that happened here at Wellspring. But first, this picture is um, actually... AI generated, artificial intelligence generated this picture, which is really cool and really scary for a number, a number of reasons. But it, it, it has the darkness meeting the light and them coming together, and it's, it's a cool image. Um, but AI isn't all it's cracked up to be, because when I put all the text from the, uh, from the Bible in there, this is what it gave me. The is the twamp, seven to even. What? And it gets worse. Like, if you look at this picture, like, it's, it, I guess, Jesus riding on a, a donkey that's walking on water and a bolt kind of, kind of made of people. Like, it's weird. It's really weird. So I, I don't think AI is taking over anytime soon. Don't, don't worry. But uh, I, I have a story to tell you guys. If you guys have been around Wellspring for any length of time in the past couple of years, you'll know that at the beginning of 2022... We were doing our budget, and we were like, uh-oh, there is a $50,000 deficit in our budget. So in June of last year, we started the Lean In campaign, trying to lean in to prayer, fasting, praying, um, trying to go after this goal of raising $50,000 so that we didn't have to cut expenses. It wasn't about people getting paid. It wasn't about, you know, whatever else. It was, hey, can we still do what we do in this community if this deficit isn't met. So we fasted, 
we prayed. And at the end of that month of fasting and praying, we came up $14,000 short of our goal. Out of that $50,000, we only read 36,000. So we were glad that God had closed that gap, but we were also a little bummed. And then a month later in August, somebody donated $100,000 to Wellspring Church. And that enabled us to spend even more on our community. We went on for Christmas to spend $18,000 on the people of Tom's River and the surrounding communities and giving out ShopRite gift cards. It allowed us to do God's work when we were like, I don't know how we're gonna do this, but we still have to serve God. But the thing about that money is, it wasn't just found on the side of the road. The person who donated it didn't like find it on the floor and shop right and be like, oh, this, is, this goes to Wellspring. Like, that doesn't happen. This came from someone who was very well off financially, and it didn't happen overnight. That is a process of years and years and years to get that person, one, to be financially capable to give that big amount of money to an organization like this, and number two, to prepare that person's heart to give away that money for the glory of God. That is a process that takes year upon year upon year upon year. Years before Wellspring existed, years before we knew we would have some financial trouble last year, God was preparing. God was making his provision available to us for years before we even knew we had a problem. The same thing happens in your life. Whatever you're going through, God is already making a way out of it. God is already meeting your needs, even the needs you don't even know you have yet. He's preparing someone to step in, someone who's been trading for years to meet your need. God says, okay, I'm going to set you up with this person to meet this need because they pray to me. I make all things work together for the good of those who love me. I would hope something like that would happen in your, that God, in your life, that God would orchestrate something to help you with whatever is coming your way in life. Whatever you're struggling with, God is already making that provision available to you. Amen. Moving on to uh, verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, do not weep. And then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. So we have these two crowds converging. We have the darkness, the hope, the death, the, the darkness and despair, and uh, meeting hope and life. And when these two come together, Scripture says that Jesus sees the widow and he has compassion on her. And that compassion leads him to take action. And it's not just any action, though. His compassion leads, uh, Jesus' compassion leads Jesus to, to, to break the law. And I don't want to encourage you to break the law. Don't do that. But Jesus broke some of the customs and traditions of his day to make an impact in this woman's life, to bring her out of a state of destitution and into a relationship with her son again. 
First way Jesus does this is that he stops a funeral procession. Now, nowadays we have these funeral processions, but usually they're done in our cars. You have a police escort, you have a hearse at the front, you have a bunch of people following that hearse to bring whoever to their final resting place. And um, it's a little harder to stop a caravan of, of, of cars transporting a person. But just imagine if you went up to this procession while they were driving and said, hey, stop, stop the car, stop the hearse. I need you to open up the door so I can have a conversation with the person in the casket. It would not go over well. You would be committed. You would be having an involuntary vacation somewhere nice. <laughs> it's a cultural norm we would not disturb. But Jesus' compassion led him to challenge that norm to don't break up a funeral procession and to do something great in the life of this mother. Number two, Jesus touched the beer. We don't talk about beer in church. Unless you're at the wedding at Cana and Jesus hooks up the whole wedding with the good stuff at the end of the wedding instead of the beginning of the wedding. Look it up. Anyway, um, beer, beer, not, not beer, but beer. This thing here looks like a little stretcher you carry. It is called a beer. It's what they would use to carry a body uh, out of the city to then bury it. As you can see, it is built for comfort. It is, it is not. I would not like to lay on that. But... If you were to touch a dead body back in that day, I mentioned um, being considered unclean. In the book of Numbers, it says, hey, don't touch a dead body. If you do, you're going to be considered unclean. Nobody can have contact with you. You need to spend um, time doing these rituals, doing these practices, washing, bathing, sacrificing to be considered clean again. It was a, it was a hassle. But Jesus saw this dead person he went up and he touched. He was breaking a cultural norm, but he knew that the person wouldn't be dead for very long. Compassion led him to take action and break some cultural norms. Uh, third way is Jesus broke the laws of life and death. You have physics, you have chemistry, you have biology, physiology. All of those things didn't matter when Jesus spoke, hey, get up, young man. There was a literal resurrection. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, you went to a spa and you're like, oh, I feel like a brand new person. No, it was a literal resurrection. A dead person was made alive again by the power of Christ Jesus. So I want to ask you, when is the last time you let your compassion lead you to do something that was outside of your comfort zone? Maybe you're an introvert and you don't like talking to people, but your compassion leads you to do that, to impact someone's life for the name of Jesus. Amen. But don't break the law. Do not, do not get arrested because I told you up here. To, no, don't. Okay. Uh, moving on. Verse 16 says this after he raised that boy from the dead. Fear seized them all, being the people that were traveling with the woman. And they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and the surrounding country. We have this term, seized with fear. And uh, we, we kind of don't get it. Like, you, you don't come to church and be like, oh, that was spooky. Like, 
this fear isn't being afraid. It is, is being filled with awe, being filled with reverence, being filled with a respectful wonder. And it's something we're kind of not familiar with because we, we, we say things like, hey, Jesus is my homeboy, which is cool. Like it, it illustrates the closeness that God has to us, but it often lacks the reverence and respect that God deserves. I, uh, I once was able to uh, sing at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Uh, my parents like took on second jobs. They're like, this is a class trip, you're going. So I went with my choir to Paris and we got to sing in Notre Dame and it was a really cool, unique experience. We got to do our warm-ups and our practices like in a wine cellar underneath where like nobody goes. It was super cool. But this church, this cathedral, was constructed starting in 1160 AD and it took about 150 years to be fully completed. And it's one of the, um, I guess, the, the cornerstones of Gothic architecture that, that is still standing today. But when you go into a place like that, there is silence, there is reverence, there is, you don't want to act out because this is holy ground. And it's not physically holy ground, like the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you. I'm not gonna exalt one place over another, right? But so many people go there and there is a reverence from God expressed among many. This church is 900 years old almost. That's four times longer than the US has existed-ish. It's wild. But being in a place like that, you are confronted with things like your old mortality. You're not gonna live 900 years. Like we only have a specific amount of time on earth. That changes after resurrection, but well, that's another story. Anyway, um, you're filled with awe when you're walking into a place like that. It's super cool. And this is how I imagine the people of Nain felt like. They had just witnessed a miracle happen. They were face to face with the hand of God. But they didn't quite get it. They, they cry out, hey, a great prophet has arisen among us. But that's a lot like saying, oh, uh, you're a spitting image of that Mr. Bean character, ain't you? <laughs> By the way, this is the extent of my Photoshop skills, so please never ask me to do graphic design for you. It's... That Jesus is just uh, rounding around the countryside claiming to be the Messiah, like... They declare that God has visited his people, meaning that a miracle had been done, but they call Jesus a prophet. And that's cool, but calling Jesus just a prophet is a gross underestimation of who he is. That puts him in the company of, of people like Elijah and Elisha, who had resurrected people hundreds of years ago in this very same area. But it's less than who he is. They recognize the supernatural power that comes from Jesus, but they stop short of seeing the whole picture. And it's no honor to ascribe to Jesus a title that is far beneath him. He is the Messiah. He's the Lord of Lords. So they kind of miss the point in declaring that Jesus, hey, this is a prophet. And the point of this miracle, Jesus wasn't looking for good PR, right? He wasn't trying to like up his clout. He wanted to help this woman. And the Bible says that the message spread across all of Judea. 
because of this one incident. Jesus wasn't trying to make himself famous. He just wanted to let his compassion help someone. So Jesus nowadays is, is the most well-known person in history, arguably. Uh, yet at the same time, he is sort of the least known. You have the, the faith of Islam says that Jesus, just like the village of Nain, is, is a prophet. You have Mormons who believe that uh, Jesus was a created being sent by God to us. You have Jehovah's Witnesses who say that he's the archangel Michael uh, in the flesh. The consensus among Jewish people is that uh, at best, Jesus was a wise and gifted teacher. At worst, he was an apostate. All of those views are wrong. So who is Jesus? Most historical scholars, not even Christians, historical scholars will agree that Jesus was a person who existed around the time that the Bible says he does, from 0 to 33 A.D., Somewhere in there, a man named Jesus existed. And many people will agree that Jesus, hey, he was a good guy. He taught good things. He, uh, he might have tried to start a revolution and got killed for it. But this is the thing, and it's our, it's our main point for today. Calling Jesus a good guy isn't really good enough. It's, it's, it's good. It's not good enough. Because Jesus is not just a teacher. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a revolutionary. Jesus is the Alpha, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the creator of the universe incarnate. He's the one who exists outside of time. And yet for 33 years, he stepped into life as a human to bear the sins for us, to experience what we experience and yet show us how to live the perfect way. That is who Jesus is. He's the resurrection and the life. And this month we've been looking at resurrections throughout the Bible. In the person of Jesus Christ, we find spiritual resurrection. We become new beings. We become born again, a new creation. And someday too, we will experience physical resurrection. That's another conversation for another day. It's too long to get into right now. But in taking all of this into account, I, I have two challenges for you today. Uh, the first one is uh, to define Jesus. Who is, who is Jesus to you? Is he, is he a good guy? Is he a philosopher? Is he Lord of your life? Is he the one you've devoted your heart to? Was he a good guy that was just killed unjustly for trying to change society back in the day? Is he uh, a guy who has some wise sayings? Is, is Jesus just another talking head? Is Jesus at the same level as like Joe Rogan? Like, do you listen to the things Jesus says and you're like, oh, that's pretty deep. Uh, maybe I'll use that. Or do you consider Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Do you know Jesus to be nothing less than Lord? Because if he's not Lord of all of your life, then he's not Lord of all. So maybe you're here and you're like, yes, I believe all that. That's why I'm at church today. Duh. Cool. I got something for you too. Our second challenge today is to let compassion drive you to action. I want you to let compassion 
leads you to be an answer to somebody's prayer. And if you're like me and you're like, yeah, Jesus, you have the highest place in my life, then you know that we as Christians are called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus here on this earth. I want to tell you a story uh, about me. I, uh, before I came to Wellspring, I was involved in another church locally. I was there for about 10, 12 years. Um, and then some things happened, and they, the reason I left wasn't really important. That church is still doing things for God, and you know, God bless them. Um, but I could no longer be involved with that specific ministry. So uh, I left, and um, I started asking a lot of questions about my faith. Uh, some people call this deconstruction nowadays, and you can go through this deconstruction process and you can uh, totally stop believing in God altogether, or you can strengthen your faith, make it stronger than it was before. And I feel like that's the journey I've been on these past couple of years. But um, I started coming to Wellspring and I was just an attendee. I, I didn't have any intention of getting back into ministry because quite frankly, I, I kind of felt like a failure leaving my old church. But then it was, it was Father's Day 2021, and, and Josh here was uh, leading worship for two services and also preaching through those two services. And I'm pretty sure his voice was done after that day. Um, but I saw a need. Compassion led me to, to put my doubts about myself and my theology aside and say, hey, you might not have all the answers, but you can still serve in this way. So I joined the worship team. And then soon after, uh, Maddie Regas had to make the transition to be the uh, missions lead from being the youth lead. And they needed someone who had some youth ministry experience. And I was like, oh, hey, that's me. And I had this conversation with my wife and I was like, yeah, I saw that. I saw them post about needing a youth guy. I don't know, I don't know if I'm ready. I am not comfortable because I didn't have the answers I had before. I wasn't as sure about my faith as I was before. But compassion led me to do something I was uncomfortable with for the benefit of others. Because I still don't have all the answers. And as imperfect as I am, I can still step up and love teenagers. I can still be there and teach wisdom to the next generation even if I don't have it all right. So those are my challenges to you today. The first one is to define Jesus. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. You never really thought about it. You just thought, hey, he said some wise stuff. That's cool. But is he Lord of your life? Maybe you've already done all that. My second challenge to you is to let compassion drive you to action. Let compassion make you do something uncomfortable because the call of God in your life demands it. And maybe you are one of those people that you don't know who Jesus is. Jesus Christ is our resurrection and he is our life. And the only fitting response to that is to call Jesus our Lord. Uh, the book of Romans says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he's raised from the dead, that you will be saved. You will be reunited with your creator. And I want to pray a prayer today that, that sort of walks us through all of that. So if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads 
and praying with me.